0: We can write a beautiful appeal letter, we can have a great you know, crowdfunding campaign on a platform, we can be using technology or all these individual tools in the right way, but if we haven't really figured out the strategy behind it, it's only going to go so far.
1: Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Rally and Engage presented by Cosvox. Causevox is an online fundraising platform built to help fundraising and communications teams at nonprofits activate their supporters, reach new donors, and raise more online. To learn more and start your free trial, visit causevox.com. I'm Noah Barnett, the growth marketing lead here at Causevox, and today we have the opportunity to talk with Farah Trumpeter. She is the vice president at Big Duck, a communications firm that works exclusively with nonprofits to help organizations reach supporters, build awareness, and raise money. We love having Farah on the podcast, and we thought we would bring her back to really talk about how a year-round communication strategy can improve your fundraising at year-end. And practically, how do you really go about crafting a plan that aligns with your organization's goals? Let's dive into our conversation with Farah. So, welcome back, Farah. Thanks excited. for having
0: me back, Noah.
1: Yeah, we're excited to have you on Rally Engage today. Uh, we had you on the podcast last year and talked all about kind of brand raising and how fundraisers could leverage their brand to raise money, and then really the best practices around that. Uh, for those that are listening to this episode, if you're interested in hearing that episode and didn't have the chance, uh, you can find it in the show notes included in the episode description below. We'll include that. It was a great conversation, really insightful for me, and kind of really helped craft some of the thinking on how we even thought about what we were doing um, here at Cosvox last year. But great. you know, we're in a new year, and uh, many fundraisers we talk to are really optimistic and ready to dive in. However, we know from experience that you really need to think more holistically kind of about how you dive in. Um, and that's some feedback we really get from people is like, I'm eager, I'm excited, you know, last year didn't really go as planned. We really want to dive in. Um, and how to do that well is something we've been really kind of exploring and unpacking here at CauseVox. And we just thought you would be, you know, a great person to tap for that, because you work with nonprofits all the time um, doing just that. So Uh, Today, we really wanted to kind of dive in with you and talk about you know communications plans, but then also how you can really prepare for year end now. You know, we talk a lot about year end and how it's like the best time to fundraise, but that those planning really starts now for that. And we really want to tap into your planning starts January
0: first. Yeah, so we're already (laughs)
1: late, um, but there's still hope because it's still Q one. Um, And so anyways, we want to kind of dive into this. So I'm excited to have you on again. Uh, Your experience has been incredible and your friendship and partnership with Cosvox has been great as well. Um, uh, But as you look into the year ahead, what opportunities really stand out as you've kind of uh, looked over the horizon that you see for nonprofits, especially around communications and fundraising?
0: Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, I think specifically in this moment, 2017, obviously a lot of organizations are sort of uh, responding to the presidential election and whether or not the what that election said and the results of what it triggered, um, if it has to change their messaging or change their assumptions of how they communicate. We've seen, obviously, some organizations like ACLU, Planned Parenthood, Southern Poverty Law Center uh, get an influx of support in response to the, the shift. Um, other organizations just really sort of having a lot of concern if they will lose funding. Other groups, depending on sort of where they lean, if, if they lean a certain direction, Um, seeing a different kind of boost. So I think this has been certainly a moment in time where um, some were surprised by those results and are having to try and sort of rethink um, what it means for them. That said, I think generally speaking, I think the beginning of the year is a great time for organizations to just really pause. uh, And this is in part because I think about branding or our approach to branding, we call brand raising day in, day out. um, And really just pause and clarify the why. Um, why is your organization important now? Um, why does it matter generally? And why should I support you versus someone else? In the nonprofit space, we don't like to think about competitors, uh, but we have competitors for, our, for dollars, for hearts, for minds, for time. Um, and it is important for us to, if we can't clarify why someone should give to us versus someone else or in addition to someone else, then how will our supporters? and it's the you know if you can clarify that at the beginning of the year then weave that through your communications by the time year end comes around you've got a much better shot
1: of someone giving to you and the ironic thing you mentioned competitors and how we have kind of this like intolerance for that word in our <laughs> sector and it's almost like no we don't have competitors everyone's trying to help the world and like all of this that's just not like that that can't be the case you know as you kind of look forward and i think you you said that well and how i've really seen it is that uh, nonprofits almost use it as like, oh, we don't really talk about competitors, and it's not necessarily because they don't realize they exist, but they almost don't know what their unfair advantage is against mm-hmm. those people, or even like why someone would give to them over a competitor, or why their programs matter and should get someone's, you know, if I only have a thousand dollars a year to donate to, you know, charitable causes and good causes. Why should I give you my money over some of the other pressing causes of today? And yeah, those, and those it's not even just
0: Yeah, and it's not even just sort of, well, because 93 cents of every dollar goes to our programs or some of those specific things, but it's also at the essence of of who you are. There's a great TED talk and book from Simon Sinek that you can include in your show notes. You know, start with why. Absolutely. Um, we're, we're so, um, you see, his talk is really about the for-profit world, but you see this even much more in the nonprofit world. We quickly go into the what and the how. This is what we do. This is how we do it. We have this many, we're serving this many people, we're in this many locations, we're helping these specific communities, but why? What? What, what is the essence of what you're trying, what's the problem you're trying to solve? How are you doing it? Why is your approach different, And and at the heart of it? What is the big idea that's guiding everything that you're doing? Are you, um, you might be a food bank, but at the heart of it, you're about ending hunger. You're not just about distributing, you know, food uh, from certain places. So what is that? Why? And again, as we can sort of figure it out, starting thinking about our brands, but really weaving through all our communications, not just our fundraising appeals, but everything that we're putting out there.
1: Yeah, and I think that really brings me to kind of the next question I wanted to tap into is you brought up my least favorite marketing campaign. Oh, no. 93 cents of your dollar will go to the cause. <laughs> it's like, if we, like, I think what's interesting about that is if we look at that, how, like, that marketing and how mm-hmm. it compares to, like, real world, right? Like, I buy a shirt that's made by this brand versus the same shirt in value or kind of job by another brand that costs half as much, but I still pay twice as much to buy this brand. Mm-hmm. Why? And so if we're only selling on you know low prices every day, kind of like a Walmart slogan as a nonprofit, we're only competing on the price lever of influence of why people actually do what they do. And I think nonprofits need to realize that there's other components and it's not always about price. Uh, price is important, um, accountability is important, closing the loop on donor impact is important for nonprofits, but there's other reasons why people give and I, I the, the messaging around fundraising that starts with that always drives me insane. Is it just me?
0: <laughs> no, yeah. no, I mean, I think uh, it is not just you. It is certainly a point that some donors want to know and. If it is, you know, if you have figured out a way to have most of the dollars someone gives you go directly to services, it certainly is a talking point and a good talking point, but um, it, it shouldn't be the talking point or the lead one. So I share your, your feeling on that and, and it, you know, if, if a customer or a donor <laughs> in that case is just supporting you because of that one point, it's going to really be hard to keep them because that's that's something that someone, you know, if their experience with you is purely transactional, then it's going to be easy for someone else to come along and and sweep them away. But if you can figure out how to move that to transformational and how by you by them supporting you, they are in fact the ones ending hunger. They are, you know, you sort of make them you're the facilitator of them making the world a better place through their support of you. If you can figure out how to tell that story in your communications, that's where I think you will have an even better year end than
1: you've ever had before. And and that that's a great point. Like, you know, moving from transactional to transformational, like practically though, how do people do that? Like I'm listening and I'm like, you know, Farah, like I totally agree. I have no idea what even step 1 is. Any any advice for those people that are listening and kind of kind of tra- craft their talking points messaging for the year ahead?
0: Well, uh, you know, again, I have drunk the Kool Aid of Big Duck, which is um, the best practice. Really, is to start by by really um, determining your brand strategy. So we have a book called Brand Raising. We've got lots of webinars, articles, resources. Uh, that was our last conversation. Really clarifying the big idea you want people to associate with your organization and the feelings they should have with it, and using that to weave throughout how you communicate. You can do that by um, not only just looking at your materials, but looking at the landscape of other organizations, interviewing people, surveying people, find out what they think and feel about you now, and try and get to the heart of what you wish their answers would be, making sure that is in fact rooted in, in a place that you can eventually get to. You don't want to come up with an association that you'll never you know you'll never obtain. You can't be seen as cutting edge. If, uh, you know, there's a voicemail system from the 70s to reach you and it takes me five minutes to get to a live person. Um, But what makes sense based on who you are in your culture and in the experience of the everyday? We can write a beautiful appeal letter. We can have a great, you know, crowdfunding campaign on a platform. We can be using technology or all these individual tools in the right way. But if we haven't really figured out the strategy behind it, It's only going to go so far. So, you know, I think organizations need to really start by clarifying that piece and understanding their messaging. And, you know, at the heart of it, start with research. Find out why people give to you, who else they give to, um, what is at the heart of the reason why they support you. It's not just because of the 93 cents on the dollar, there's a deeper reason why they support you. And figuring out what that is and how you can infuse that in your communication makes all the
1: difference. And I think you really highlighted a crucial point, especially for those fundraisers listening and Thinking about a communications plan as maybe a traditional, like granular plan, like in February, we're going to run a campaign. In May, we're going to have an event. You know, we're going to come back in October and have another event. And then in November and December, we're going to run another campaign. It really highlights that there's more of like an umbrella communication strategy that you really need to hone in on, which maybe is like your messaging, your essence. You guys talk a lot about this in brand Mm -hmm. raising. So I don't want to dive into that. But then there is like the granular aspects of a communications plan. And we already alluded to it at the beginning of the conversation where this can't just be you know around year end or this can't just be the one annual campaign you do a year. Your communication plan must kind of include year-round donor communication. Mm-hmm. Um, but h- how should you approach that? We get a lot of questions that say like how much is too much? Like what mm-hmm. if I don't have anything to say? Is there a right frequency mm-hmm. or cadence? How yeah. do you advise people to kind of on the granular practical level of like how should they be thinking about maybe things they've done historically, but then also how they maybe need to create new things or new reasons they need to communicate and talk to their supporters.
0: So there's a lot of, I'm, I'm swirling around a lot of ideas in your questions, so let me let me tackle a few points uh, and see hopefully if I've answered swirl that. Swirl away, Farah. It's, it's, it's <laughs> only Wednesday
1: away. and you're already swirling, exactly, man.
0: Exactly, I swirl every day, whatever that means. Um, I want to first <laughs> no start <questions>. first going, <laughs> going back to um, sort of, again, the the approach to journal communications planning. Um, I would say sort of at the heart of it, you want to prioritize one goal and think about the destination. So right now we're having this conversation in March. Um, if, we are think, if we can think for a moment about where we want to be in March 2018, what that destination is of where we want to go, and then be clear about, or maybe, you know, March in 2020, uh, go a few years ahead, and then guide the plan around that. So that goal might be something like be seen as the charity of choice among, for X issue or among this audience. Um, And we want that goal to be rooted in some analysis of our current situation. We often help organizations conduct a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, knowing both where you are now and what's happening in your landscape. Where are there shifts you need to be aware of? And as you're thinking about that, that world and that destination, you then want to develop strategies, which I like to think of as the roads to your destination. So for example, one strategy might be to be seen as a thought leader or to make it easy for people to get involved. Um, and as you have those strategies, you then break them into tactics. Um, and along the way, you're naming your audiences, you're clarifying who they are, what they want, when and how they like to communicate, who else they give to, and you're creating personas. And you're using those personas when you do make those day-to-day decisions. And with that, then you create that work plan. Then you have the calendar, but, but even before that work in that calendar, you need to know about responsibilities. Who's, you know Who's making decisions? Who needs to be informed? Who's consulted along the way? When are things going to happen? How much is it going to cost? And how do you know if you're successful? So a good donor communications plan has a goal and met with measurable objectives, has strategies and tactics connected to those strategies, has audience priorities or personas, has a, has a work plan, um, I like to often use the RACI model for a responsible, accountable, consulted, informed, has a timeline, has a budget, and finally has some sort of success metrics so you can come back to and determine how well things went. So let me just pause there. That's how I see a donor communications plan. I don't know, Noah. I'm curious, when you use that term, does that kind of align with how you think about it?
1: Absolutely. And I'm thankful that you brought up all the components because I think the assumption is it's, it's, it's some of those or maybe a few of those, but not kind of the complete plan. And one thing that we've been diving into a lot here at Causebox, and you know, we recently uh, released uh, kind of our own resource on how to really approach creating a fundraising plan and a calendar that really touches on some of the components that you just mentioned and really incorporating budget and goals and targets and calendaring All those types of things and how they align back to kind of the bigger goals. Though there is so many tools out there that can really help. So I'm glad you mentioned others. And we'll actually include a lot of those links to kind of the practical frameworks on how you can really work through some of what we're talking about today um, with your team or with your board or however you kind of manage these things um, in the show notes um, of this. Because I think it's a helpful, it's a complex process that almost requires a framework And so using one of those frameworks as a starting point to drive conversation will be really helpful for those fundraisers that are working through this right now with their teams.
0: Great. Yeah, And I want to go back. I sort of noted another question you asked, which was around sort of frequency, right? Because I think at the heart, you know, at the minute, people do have that calendar in front of them. And they know their year-end campaign is happening in November and December, but what about the rest of the year? You know, a lot of, a lot of, I'm sure, maybe other guests you've had on this show, or I'm not sure if you've shared this opinion on your blog, but there is sort of a a ruling phrase that the more you ask, the more you will raise. Um, Absolutely, (laughs) and we've seen that
1: played out practically with our client or with our customers that we work with. We always encourage them to send more, and they hesitate, and then they do, and they see results.
0: Exactly. That said, you know what what's important is to also think about the lifetime value of our donors, not just the amount of money that comes in. And you don't want to sort of um, there is always that fear of, and you don't want the reality of them feeling like all you do is ask. You know, I always use the phrase, "Do not let your you don't want to your donors to feel like they're an ATM machine where you just keep you know trying to take withdrawals out." Um, you know where where I would say like for email, you can keep an eye on unsubscribe rates, and as long as they're you know one percent or less or generally industry standard, you're okay. But if you keep sending out appeals and all of a sudden you see your unsubscribe rate jump up, you may be doing too much. Um, similarly, you want to look at response rates and see if those are sort of healthy and within reason, both compared to industry and into your past performance. If your supporters are showing you that they're okay with what you're putting out there, then you probably, you know, then then you're okay, and maybe you can even ask a little bit more. Um, typically, a year-round communication schedule that I've seen looks like this: there are um, daily, if not several times a day, posts on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. LinkedIn, etc. There are weekly, sometimes more than uh, a few days a week, blog posts, maybe announcements that might get mentioned, alerts that go out, if it's a sort of very active advocacy organization. Once a month, they're sending any newsletter um, They are doing three or four, what we would call multi-channel campaigns uh, during the year, including the year-end campaign, and perhaps one or more special campaigns, like just getting a particular segment to do something like advocacy only or getting you know multi-year donors to become monthly donors and be, and be sustainers and then once a year often publishing an annual report um, i think to the to the question of how many emails i believe the last mnre benchmark study that came out or a new one's coming out next month uh, or actually, next week at the N10 conference. But the, you know, I think the last thing I read was the average nonprofit in their study, which had medium to large nonprofits, was sending out over 20 fundraising email appeals a year. So if organizations are wondering, you know, how far off they are, you can start with a number like that, and you wouldn't want to go from if last year you sent five to sending 20 this year. But you might look at sort of moving that volume up.
1: And that's a report that I think is super helpful to kind of yeah. address some of these questions. Benchmarking is always something that maybe we don't talk as much and frequently yeah, about yeah. Um, in the nonprofit space, but I think benchmarking is something that's really important and can kind of help you even have conversations internally and resolve debates that are just based on opinions. Um, and I think that's something that you know, the M&R report, I'll include last year's, um, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we always talk about the new one when it comes out. Um, and many others do. Uh, so be on the lookout for those types of things. And I'll include last year's in the show notes for your reference. All of this is super helpful. Um, and I think uh, really getting this nailed early on in the year, and like you said, ideally, you know, January 1, is really important. And so I'm glad we could kind of dive into that today. Um, as we close, uh, you know, just because we have you and your time, and you kind of study and keep a watch and a pulse on this, uh, a question I'm interested is, and I asked differently last year. Last year I would maybe have, would have phrased <laughs> this question, you know, what do you hope nonprofits invest more in in 2017? But what I think is like we're investing in a lot of things, and almost if if anything we're kind of overload on our investments, and so we have scattered investments and aren't doing much well. And so I've kind of changed this question and really want to know what you're seeing nonprofits invest in that they should stop doing in 2017.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking, I've been thinking about this since the last time we spoke, and it's it's a great question, and I'm not sure if my my response is exactly what you're looking for, but I honestly wish nonprofits would stop competing with themselves, right? So if we don't like thinking about competitors in the space, we certainly don't think about how much we compete with ourselves, and by that I mean… Um, you know, we think a lot about brand architecture. So, I might know your run, walk, ride event, or I might know the program you do in this location, but I don't realize it's part of a larger whole. Because sometimes we overbrand our programs to the point where now people don't even realize they're part of us. Um, and we've confused the audience. The other thing is, we sort of sometimes start, we have all this infighting. The marketing team or communications team doesn't talk to the fundraising team. Or the development department says this is our list. You can't communicate to them and the marketing, you know, and the marketing team controls Facebook and development can't ever write a post there. Um, Your donors don't care whose list they're on, what program, you know, what they want to do is advance your mission and get to that ultimate vision of what you're looking to do. End hunger, bring peace to the world, you know, create love and support and harmony, whatever it is you're trying to do. And I think we need to stop, we need to pause and ask ourselves, do we have too much infighting or are we competing with ourselves? And look at a better way to tell the story collectively and, and use communications to advance our mission, not confuse our supporters.
1: And that's a great word. And I've heard it recently talked about how nonprofits really struggle to build cumulative advantage because they mm-hmm. do engage with their supporters in so many different costumes in some mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you you know have people come to an event and then you follow up with an email, they're like, why are you spamming me? Because they don't make right. those connections. And so I don't think it's even just the branding issue. It's also making sure that your organization has enough play and presence and prominence at any time you are kind of speaking in, whether it's through email or whether it's at like a 5K fundraiser or even just because of the world we live in. It's something we see here at Cosvox a lot is more and more your f- supporters are actually going out and fundraising on your behalf. Right. How can you resource them well so that they can represent and advocate for your brand And build cumulative advantage, or at least contribute to that in a way that's really effective. And it's something that we're exploring a little bit more. And how do we actually kind of help navigate that? Um, So I think it's a great, great answer, and really what I had to hope for with the question. So always great insight. Always learning so much from you, (laughs) Farah. I think you bring kind of an angle and a level of experience that's just much needed. And you're a powerful voice into kind of how nonprofits should be thinking about communication and branding. And really, both the macro and micro issues. So, thank you for sharing. I think we covered so much really quickly. So, those that are listening, um, again, like we'll have those frameworks down below. I'll have a link to the brand raising if you really want to dive into some of the um, macro uh, conversations and kind of topics that we discussed today. Definitely check out the last episode where we had Farah um, on brand raising. And then, you know, if you really want to dive into it, brand raising is a book that Big Duck, where Farah is a VP. Um, at uh, put together, and it kind of walks through this in its entirety. Um, a great read over spring break if you're about to have that, um, and especially during kind of this maybe slower, it's starting to ramp up with fundraisers, but would be a great opportunity. So, anyways, I uh, appreciate the time. It's been great, um, and I hope you really uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening, and I'll talk to you soon, Farah. Thanks, Noah. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Rally and Engage. You can find other episodes on iTunes or on our website at cosvox.com podcast. While there, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Reviews are extremely helpful and will ensure the show gets seen by other nonprofit leaders. We'll be back next week with another guest who is serving in the trenches. We'll see you then.